Welcome out, everybody, to the Real Light Podcast. My name is Mr. Ray. I am your host. As always, we got Brother Mark over here. Thank God, man, that, you know, we are officially in conference. We got a special guest, Pastor Rene Galeas. He's with us today, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what he's got going on as far as his church with the things that are happening in his church according to the Spirit. And you know what? I'm pretty excited about this podcast because this is the beginning of many more to come as far as uh, all the pastors that are going to be on and be a part of the Real Life Podcast. This is an extreme honor for us, man. Brother Mark, he's uh, he's been with me from the jump, and here we are. And I just want to say thank you, first off, to the Lord Jesus Christ for making all this happen. All the equipment that we have, the studio, everything that's been set up here has been given to us by, by, by the giving of many, not just myself. And it was all God the entire way. And what the pastor that's sitting across from me right now is the reason why all this stuff is being built so that these brothers can come in these pastors these leaders in our fellowship can come in and give us a little bit of of of, of what they have and pour into us apart from the platforms that you see in the church so uh pastor Rene galeas man it is an honor to have you on thank you thank you, you. Know, uh, brother mark over here yeah. ready to rock and roll so before we get started, I just want to ask, man, can you just tell us a little bit about your testimony? Yeah, so um, I was 18 years old uh, when I got saved. I was um, a lot of the um, teenagers in our church in Houston um, were going to a high school it's called Nobrook High School. So it was, I was there. I was playing soccer. I was uh, I was in a marching band, and uh, there was a girl named Jackie. Um, she had just gotten saved, and she was coming out to the um, to the church faithfully, you know, on fire, just one of those teenagers that really got um, stirred by God, and she was witnessing to me, and throughout the my whole senior year, she witnessed to me, I went to church once, um, and just didn't come back, um, graduated high school, um, went on to this, um, just kind of like a vacation, just a bunch of seniors, um, recently graduated, when I was over there, uh, it was about a week on Friday, I had a dream, and that dream was that I was playing drums at the Potter's house, and I've only visited the church once. Come on, man. Um, so I had the dream, and after the dream, I called Jackie, which is um, um, the girl that's going to church, and um, she told me, yeah, just come out to church and, and try it out, see, see what God has in store for you. And went out to church. It was a revival um, with evangelist Andy Anderson. He's out of San Antonio. I think I believe he's in Africa now. Um, got saved. Um, gave my life to Jesus, and I haven't looked back since. Man. <clears throat> Don't you think it's amazing how God still speaks through dreams? I mean, I know that, you know, people can get a little twacked out with the spiritual stuff. You know, I'm a spiritual man. Uh, I interpret dreams uh, by the grace of God. It's his Holy Spirit, but he has given me that gift to do that uh, very well. Uh, it took many years to develop, but I think it, that, you know, God doesn't change. Yeah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. Uh, he still speaks through dreams. He still uh, speaks through visions and, and, you know, of course, yeah. prophetic words. The pastors, you know, they get behind the pulpit and, you know, they, they, they give according to what the Spirit has to say. So I just think it's amazing how the Lord gave you a picture first. He knows how to speak to us the way that we know oh, how to understand. Yeah. And he knows how to draw us the, the way that we need to be drawn. Yeah, in, yeah, right? yeah, of course. Yeah, it's one of those things where um, we, we call Jesus, we call God supernatural. Yes. You know, if we're going to call him supernatural, we have to leave room for those things. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's hard to explain. It is, you know, to other people, just the dreams, you know, and obviously you said it, you know, there's people who come with all kinds of crazy stuff, yeah. uh, but you have to think about it that way. Cause I mean, now looking back in life, I think, you know what, that dream was essential. Mm -hmm. 
you know, was vital is what brought me back to church. Because I was, I was a backslidden church kid. I say, originally, I, I gave my life to Jesus at 13. But then I just completely backslid through, throughout high school. Um, and they have a faith, you have a faithful witness. Here it is, Jackie. She's witnessing to me. She's doing so. You have all of the gears turning, you know, how God orchestrates everything. Um, but what brought me back was that supernatural dream. Right, right, right. And that I, I love when God does things like that. Uh, I mean, get it. Uh, we're a fellowship that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get out there to the streets. We're, you know, over here in Colleen, we do it every Saturday. We're out there. God uses me to lead outreaches uh, teams uh, under the door director or whatnot. So we're a very uh, uh, boots to the ground church, as if all uh, like all of our churches in the fellowship. But <clears throat> uh, I just love it when God puts you know the supernatural aspect in 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 drawing somebody to Christ. I'll, I've always been intrigued by it. I've always loved that kind of thing because uh, I, I it's it's um, in my eyes I don't see much of it now, but I feel like even now in in the place that we're in in time and in history that God's going to begin to pour out more of the the supernatural aspect, the spiritual aspect of of what the Word of God says because we're all believing for signs and miracles, right? Like. Isn't that, uh, that was a big essential part of the ministry in the book of Acts, I yeah. mean, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, so here recently, I just preached a sermon. I was telling one of the guys in my church, Sunday morning, I preached a sermon on gluttony. Come on. You know, so so breaking it down, and it's something very practical. You know, like the steps I gave them was you need to fast. You you need to um, not eat as much. You know, just stuff like that. You know, you break it down. So you have this man that came out to church um, that came to our service recently had a, a grant, his grandson passed away, 21 years old, got shot, um, come out to church and on a sermon of gluttony, this man gets saved. Come on. And I was telling, I was telling the guys like, this is the way God works. God just pretty much in that service said, he pushed my sermon out the way and said, I'm going to touch this man's heart. Mm. You know, in a sermon of gluttony, think about it. A man can get saved. Yeah. Mm. It's supernatural. It's God. Right. Right. And sometimes I think, uh, and, and this goes, this is just me as well. I mean, Sometimes I get caught up in, in my own ability. Like, um, <clears throat> I find myself in outreaches, uh, choosing my words to, to, to be uh, as eloquent as possible in presenting the gospel so that it's appealing. But sometimes we just need to forget, or not forget, but remember that it's the gospel itself has the power to save a person apart from your abilities, man. That's it. It's the word of God, not us. And we should we we actually should have some type of comfort in that, knowing that it's not it's yeah, not our ability. Course, yeah, yeah. So that means that we should step out in faith all the more, knowing that the yeah. word of God is going to do all the work for that's you, it. right? Yeah. Like, uh, I think that that's uh, one thing that that keeps a lot of people from stepping out in faith. They they focus too much of their of their faith on themselves and yeah. and not so much you know the word of God uh, yeah. doing the work for you. Yeah, right? that's what Paul says. He said, "I didn't come in eloquent speech, but in the power of the Holy Spirit." You know. He says that in the book of Corinthians, actually. Um, he's, he's dealing with the context of it is it's, there's a person saying um, he's not going to come back, and that's why he sent Timothy. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, no, he's, he's not going to come back. So there's rumors going on. There's gossip. And he says, when I come back, he says, these arrogant people, it's like, I'm not going to gauge at their words, but I'm going to look at the power that they have. Right. So he says, I come in power. And you know what? It, it's so amazing how Paul is able to, to aim, um, I guess, the, the fingerprint that makes you uh because he was also putting these super apostles on blast in the book of corinthians right like man they're just talking but uh uh, i want to see what they can do yeah uh the reason why they followed moses in the old testament is not just because he had an awesome message of deliverance 
the power and the signs and the wonders followed him. Therefore, when they seen that God was actually God was actually uh, testifying of his power through him, they knew God was with him. Right. So this is in essence what Paul was doing. It's like, man, they're doing a whole lot of talking. But if the Holy Ghost is really with you and you really have that authority upon you given by the Holy Ghost, then let's see what you can do. You know, there's enough talking going on. Yeah, he says that. He he says, um, he says, when I come back, when he's talking about those super apostles that, that you mentioned, he said the kingdom of God is not just words. Is the kingdom of God is in, is power. Yes. Yes, and that power is, is referencing to the supernatural. Amen. You know, and then you always have the examples of the disciples where they're casting out demons and they're trying to, um, you know, just do things um, in for Jesus. Um, and people look at them and says they're uneducated. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, but yeah. but they're powerful. They have the supernatural. Yes. Yes. So and so I wanted to ask you. Um, do you remember when you first got sent out? Um, can you tell us where that took place, how it took place, and where you went? Um, so, so I went to conference. So originally the plan was I went to conference and I wasn't going to get sent out. My pastor, which in that, in that point was Pastor Vass, um, he, he told me, you know, well, we, we don't have the finances. We're going to look into it maybe another year. Um, when, when I go to conference, I go with that mentality. So, let me, so it's just some insight. This is probably a little bit more of, Pastor Vass's story, um, but he said he he gave a report, and I remember the report. On, in the report, he said, "I have couples lined up to preach the gospel." Hmm. He said that. So goes on with the week, and then has a luncheon um, with Pastor Campbell and the rest of the pastors. And Pastor Campbell ca- called them out. He said, "Hey, um, um, who are you sending out? You said you have a line. You know they're lined up. Who are you sending out?" And Pastor Vass said, "Well, we don't have the money." And Pastor Campbell replied to him. He says, "God has all the money." Come on. So then he calls me. That was on a Wednesday. He calls me. Um, hey, we're, we're going to go with it. So then we, we come together for breakfast. I think it was a um, Thursday Thursday morning. Um, and then we picked Gal, which was Galveston, Texas, which was really in his heart. I was, um, I wanted to preach. You know, I didn't, I didn't care where it was. I wanted to preach the gospel. It didn't matter where it was in the world. Um, Galveston was in his heart. Um, so he mentioned to me, he said, let's do it. Um, and then he, um, we got announced and then we ended up going there. Um, I think it was March of 20, I remember right. I think it was 2013. Um, so yeah, my wife was 20, no, she was 19 and I was 21, I believe. Yeah. So when you say preach the gospel, what do you mean by, you said that you wanted to preach the gospel just for the viewers, just so they understand, because. When, when a man comes in and he says, you know what, I was sent out, I wanted to preach the gospel, that means that you're not necessarily preaching the gospel, meaning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ yeah. every sermon, yeah. every chance you get. Yeah. So what do you mean by you wanted to preach the gospel? Like, what, 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 what do you mean by that? So, so there's a passion birth in you. You know, there's a desire to see people saved. So that's the foundation of it. Um, and then referencing back to Paul, when we were talking about in Corinthians, um, he tells people, he tells his, um, the Corinthian churches, imitate me. Um, so whenever, at least for me, when I speak about preaching the gospel, I'm thinking there's a desire, there's a passion for people to get saved, but I'm imitating a lot of what my, what I saw in my pastor, Come on. you know, which is he, he brought, he brought truth from the Bible. Um, he loved people. He had a big heart. Um, he saw people get saved. So really it's in, in, a, in a totality, it's more of, um, I want to go and see people get saved. I want to make a difference. Um, and if you think about it that way, it's like, there's no place on earth that doesn't need that. Mm. You know, so it doesn't matter where you get announced to, it doesn't matter where you get sent to, if it's Galveston, if it's Spain, 
you know, it doesn't matter. Like it, people need Jesus. They, they need the gospel to be preached. Um, so that's, that's what I mean by that. And that's, and that's good because, uh, <clears throat> I have a desire to preach the gospel as well. Um, um, I, I, I was kind of leaning, uh, this conference for, for, uh, you know, pastor Rosario to send me out. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, um, you know, I was seeking the Lord. I went into prayer, right. You know, just to give you a little bit, you know, behind the scenes, what's going on and whatnot, because, uh, uh, in reality, you inspire me more than, you know, um, because uh, most of the, uh, the last time we talked was at the pastors. Uh, I think it was like a like a dinner y'all had here in Colleen was the last time I spoke to you face to face. And, you know, we exchanged, you know, contact information. And you told me a little bit about what you were doing in Honduras and, and things like that, man. And I'm like, and how young you were, man, you know, and I was like, man, but the Lord was like, it doesn't matter the age, man. Yeah. You know, uh, uh you know, I, I will give you the words to speak. I will Amen. give you the provision that you need. I will do all these things. So, and I'm praying, uh, you know, asking God because, you know, I'm kind of getting hinted that, you know, Pastor wants to send me out there. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, uh, the Lord speaks to me, you know, and he tells me to wait one more year. And I'm like, come on, man, you know. So I tell Pastor and, you know, um, uh, but I, I am going to, and I am going to say this, <laughs> I am going to say this. If nobody goes, send me. You know what I mean? Man. If nobody goes, send me. As I will go, you know. If nobody is willing, I am willing. You know, even though the Lord tells me, you know what, uh, one more year, I know that he'll work it out in me. I trust my God that even though uh, he told me to wait another year, I know that he will work it out. He will. Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you went out, did, did you encounter a lot of things that kind of, uh, not threw you into confusion, but kind of like... Uh, uh, where there's obstacles in the way as you went that kind of discouraged you sometimes to the point where you were got to the point where you were like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Did that ever happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, one of the bigger ones was my age. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, um, I, it was, well, one, I'm young. The other thing is I look young. You do. You know, so, <laughs> you do. so there's, there's certain people that might look a little bit older, you know, so um, I got a word one time and I, and I don't know if it was, god if, if you will but it, it did bring some type of knowledge to me one there was a brother that came up to me and, and told me hey whenever you go in in the in the midst of the word that he was giving me he was telling me that god was going to bless the work yeah. um, but he was telling me but don't tell people you're the pastor and the point that he was making was that you look young you know mm -hmm. so i will go around and and I, like i was saying i don't know if it was exactly god um but I, the way i took it was it's not all about me you know, and, and the problem, I guess, many times, at least at least in for me, was that you have these announcements and you have these conference and you want to be great. You know, you want to do great things. You you want to continue to grow for God. Um, but it's about people. Mm -hmm. um, so you overcome these things. But, yeah, I, w I went through those moments. Um, um, age was one of them. Um, in Honduras, it was fear. Um, when I when we went to Honduras, it was the murder capital. Um, I think there was one hundred and thirty eight. Um, murders per 100,000 people. Um, so it was it was quite a bit. So you hear it all the time. You will see it in outreach. We'll see people um, on, the, on the ground, you know. Um, so my f the fear that I had was that one day I would encounter um, somebody that, that was a gang member and I was going to take them off. Um, the other fear was my wife, you know, just exposing her to all these all these things. As a man, you know, you're just like, you know, you have that balance between giving it all to God. And it's what Paul says, right? It's like a, a married man has to worry about worldly things, you know. And, and one of those things is, is your wife. 
Um, so I had to overcome that fear and just trust, like you were saying, that God put me here. God's going to provide for me. He's going to protect protect me. And it got to a point where even um, we had this lady come out to church, and she was she had three kids with a gang member, like the main guy where our church was at. Um, and she told me, he's like, he knows who you are. Like, he knows where the church is at, and you guys are safe. Wow. And it was like a gang member was, like, protecting, like, the church. He was So we wow. began to outreach just at, in the evenings, which we were scared of. Um, started having a lot more favor over, uh, just without the fear, you know, just kind of, it enables you to keep going for God. Um, so there's always obstacles, you know, there's always, uh, I'm 29 now, um, and I still look young. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm pastoring people who are older than me. Um, there's the, the guys on the field, um, under me, they're all older, older than me. Um, so I've had to, even in ministry, I've had to pastor correct, um, different, different men who are older than me. Some of them save longer than me. Mm. Um, and I've had to, but I mean, it's just the pastoral office, you know, God gives s- specific and unique, um, wisdom and insight to, to the pastor. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of obstacles. You got anything better? Yeah. I mean, just what you were saying, but has anyone ever like, because of your age, just like, just, just completely disconnected from you? Um, I've had, I, I don't, I don't know if disconnected because you mm. were, you say disconnected, you would think that they were connected in the first place. Mm. Um, but I've been dismissed before. Mm. You know, just um, I remember in Honduras, I used to preach. Um, and as a pastor, you preach in total just what's going on in your church. Um, we we're having issues with our kids. So I preached on parenting. And I'm not only am I young, but I didn't have any kids back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so um, I, I made a statement. I don't I don't remember what it was, but there was an older lady in the back that just dismissed it. I mean, I, I said it and she was like, nope. Just like that, just like out in the open, just completely dismissed it. Um, so I've had moments like that. I've had, um, I had a guy come to church one time and, um, and said, you're the pastor. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh man, usually pastors are older and fat. So then he turned back around and just left the church. So I've, I've had moments like that, but again, disconnected. I don't, I don't think so. Cause they weren't connected, mm. you know, anyway, um, I've never had anybody like a disciple, um, or somebody that saved, um, come and tell me because overall ministry speaks for itself, yes. you know, as you love them and as you preach sermons that touch them. Um, the age factor kind of moves out the way. And then, um, just another question. So when you say you've had that desire to preach, was that instilled in you, like right from the moment you got saved or it came over time? Um, you know what? It was, it was kind of weird for me um, um, because I got, when I got saved, two weeks later, I went to conference. Mm. And again, one of those supernatural moments, I don't think I've ever, and, and, and I don't mean to say this as in, as in, um, to say that I'm carnal or anything like that, but I, I don't think I've ever heard God as clear as when I received my calling to preach. Um, I've, I've bound, I've heard God's voice. Obviously God speaks to me and I know it's God. Mm-hmm. Um, but that moment in conference, two weeks, I, I came in, I had a skinny, I had skinny jeans, a red mohawk, you know, it was just, it was just a rocker kid. I was in a rock band mm-hmm. and in conference, God spoke to me. I want you to preach the gospel. And, and it was, it was just completely crazy to me because I was, I did not like public speaking. I wasn't a, I wasn't an outgoing person. I wanted to play drums in my mind. I'm playing drums for God. Right. You know, that's, that's what I'm going to give God. Um, cause I had that dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, but then God spoke to me in that conference. And from that point forward, that conference, there was just a, a desire in me, um, to want to see people get saved. You know, and that came that the way that was expressed was preaching. You know, that's amazing how. You, you, uh, I I think that 
Let me just say it the way that it is. The Bible says, man, that a gift will make room for a man and he will stand before great men, right? Great kings. That's what it says in the book of Proverbs. So here God is using your gift, right? Like your, your, your ability to play the drums. But he's using that gift to bring you in and to make room for what he really has called you for. And uh, sometimes, uh, actually a lot, I see this a lot, a lot. People will take a, a position that they're putting in the church and they'll say, you know what? That, that's it. That's, that's what God, that, that's it. Uh, and, and sometimes that is the case. Don't get me wrong. But most of the time it's not. God just uh, allows you to experience uh, something in ministry. Let's just say uh, the door director or uh, uh, an usher just to make some room for growth. Yeah. So that way when you're mature there, he's like, okay, now, now that you've encountered people and I've, uh, and I've shown you a few things, now it's time to go to, the, to what I really called you for. And I think that a lot of people get comfortable in in, uh, in their ability to do something for God to, to the point where they won't go any further. Yeah. Have you encountered that in the ministry? And how do you go about uh, informing people that, hey, man, you're called to greater things? Yeah. So um, as far as informing people, um, you always have the. Um, so, I mean, just think about this. And this, this might be a reach, maybe, but um, the Bible calls us vessels. Um, when you think about a vessel, it's, it's literally something that you can use for anything. Oh, come on. You know, it's like, yes, you think liquids and you think that, but a vessel, you can, I mean, Pastor Larry was talking about uh, making ramen noodles and a coffee thing, you know, oh, <laughs> like, like you can, you can use a cup for, for almost anything or a vessel, if you will. Um, what, I mean, you, you, you want to inspire men. That's, that's the, that's the main thing about discipleship. Um, because it's not just about mimicking. I was talking to a guy about this because we were talking about imitating. Um, there's a difference between copying your pastor Versus trying to grab his spirit, you know, versus I want, I want to be like him, mm. you know, when, when, when you have that in you, um, or when you can give that to men, it's when they, whenever, um, it's not so much telling them you can be greater, um, but they know that, right. you know, they begin to see it as the whole thing with Jesus and his disciples. He, he tells them, he tells them, you guys can go on to greater things. You know, you guys will do greater things that I did. And they do, yeah. they have a bigger ministry than Jesus. They, they touch more nations than what Jesus did. They preach the, they preach the very gospel a lot more. Um, then, then what he did, but he tells them, obviously on scripture, he tells them once, then after that, they believe it, you know, it's, it's in them, you know, so it's, it's more of a, it's, it's spiritual. It's like a spiritual transaction. Right. And I think that you got something. Uh, now you go ahead first. I'll see if I tell okay. them. All right. So, uh, I like, I like the, the, the testimony you gave about the gang member knowing where your church was. Um, I remember at, at, at some point, cause I got saved when I was 23 years old. Um, technically 24, but I was on my way back to prison. Uh, I was on my way to do a 10 year sentence and I did it all. Wow. But, um, <clears throat> I got converted before I went this time down. Cause I'd been a gang member my whole life and all that, you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't have a father growing up violent home, you know, uh, mom was gone, you know, things like that. So, uh, up, obviously, you know, the, the, the streets had love for me, you know what I mean? The yeah. enemy was like, Oh, don't worry, man. I, I got something that'll fill that void. Yeah. I, I, I just needed Jesus, but I got it later. Uh, nonetheless, I got converted and, and I went to prison. And I remember many a times when I would walk into certain places and there's certain prisons where you land at where you can't just roll out and do what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. Uh, uh, you got to know your surroundings and it is what it is. But many a times, man, I remember there were gang members that would walk up to me, man, and they would tell me, hey, man. You got free reign, bro. Nobody's going to mess with you. You go ahead and preach the gospel. You go ahead and do what you do. 
You know what I'm saying? We need more God in here than anything. And that was just an amazing thing for me, how even though people are lost and jacked up and some people are even dangerous, God can use these things to further his purposes in a true man of God who is actually pushing the gospel uh, into the world. And, um, and it's, it's, it's a testament to how God will provide a shield of protection around you, either if it's supernatural or, or in a physical sense, using either governments or things like that. I just think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's who God is. You know, we know him as the master orchestrator. You know, he can use anything. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, yeah. with whoever he wants. Yeah. You know, to think that there was a gang member, this man is is killing people, um, or, or at least ordering um, the traffic of drugs and to kill people, um, and to think that a, a fellowship church or a smaller church, we're about 20 people there, has complete dominion over over a, a, a um, they call them barrios, right? Over Barrio Medina, that's where it was at. To think that we can do whatever we want there. You know, it's an, it's an incredible thing to think about it now, now, you know, putting it in perspective. It's like, man, we had total dominion, and it was through God using a worldly man. I mean, you can you can talk about President Trump. You can you can talk about so many other um, people that, that God will use or, or elements in the world um, that's not necessarily Christian. You can call it secular, um, but God can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I was just going to ask, I mean, I know you spoke about your fear and your age being factors, I guess, in your ministry, but has there ever been other things, I guess— spiritually that have happened to you that were overwhelming at times and you weren't sure what to do? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I've had to, um, and hopefully I don't get in trouble for this, um, but one of the things that my wife and I have had to overcome is that we don't have any children yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we adopted a child and we love him. You know, he's, he's, our, he's our son and he's, um, he's been a bigger blessing to us than, than we've been to him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't been able to have biological children and we've had to come to a place where, um, we say, you know what, God, even, even if you don't do this, we'll still serve you. Um, because you think about it, I mean, just, just the, the, the barrenness in it, you know, we can produce fruit in ministry. Um, we can produce fruit. Um, I've made disciples. I mean, a lot of the men that have been under me are pastors, um, or at least aspiring to be, um, but I don't have a son. You know, it's just one of those things where I, in my mind I've had to come to a place. You know, Pastor Rosario's sermon was, was incredible um, last night when he was talking about dying to yourself, you know. And one of the things that stuck out to me was how he had to um, die to himself in an area where his pastor, uh, they, they could not relate that much. Pastor Campbell lost a daughter, you know, but he had to die to himself with his daughters in a certain different way. Um, so it's, yeah, I think every man, just like he said, every, every man is going to have to go through those moments where you have to, um, let go of it all and say, you know what, God, if you're going to, um, if you're going to do this, I got to let go of everything, even those obstacles. Cause you could think, you know, what, why, why can't other people have it? And I can't, mm-hmm. you know, but then at the end of the day, God's God, you know, yeah. does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Thank you. So before we go any further, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back. And we're back. So. That is a that is a pretty uh, awesome testimony you gave, man. About you know, and it's 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 a very personal um, uh, uh, revelation that you gave not only us but the, the viewers, man. How <clears throat> and look, I, I I've I have gotten in my places sometimes where I just have to tell God, you know what? If you don't come through, and I lose everything, as long as I don't lose you, I'll be okay. 
So if you want me to lose this, or you want me to lose that, you want me to lose this, I'm not going to stop serving you. As long as you don't leave me, I'll be fine. And he always comes through, man, always. And in some of the, the most extreme circumstances, like, look, you might not know this, but when I was in prison, I lost my son. He didn't die, but uh, the mom got taken in or whatever, and uh, um, uh, CPS came through, and I couldn't go to court to get my son because I'm in prison. So they gave, they terminated my rights and gave them up for adoption against my will. And, um, and be, I had burned so many bridges living the way that I was living, I couldn't contact anybody because everybody had cut me off, you know. And uh, so I lost my son. Uh, so I always have an ex like a very high esteem, admiration for those who adopt kids because my kid is somewhere, yeah. quite possibly adopted by someone. And I pray that God would, would, would bring a, a godly couple and to accept my son and raise him up in the things of God. So when I see uh, men like you uh, 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 step out and do this, even though you, you told God, you know what, man, I'm, I'm still going to serve you no matter what. The, you adopted your son like God adopted us into his family, right. like the word of God. So there's, there's more than meets the eye in the act of adopting kids, and there's an extreme blessing in that. I know because when I prayed for that, there was something that were flowing out of me in my prayers for the people that were going to adopt my son that I could not even comprehend or understand. But I know that it was something rich. I knew that it was something very extreme as far as favor. And I know that eventually those couples that adopt kids, eventually, I believe this with my whole heart, will begin to produce fruit of their own bodies, out of their own vines. So I just want to take the time to speak that over your life Man. right now. In Jesus' name, you will produce fruit out of your own vines. Man. And, and, uh, and I'm excited to say that because when it comes to pass, I just want to give God glory, man, because man. he's good like that. So um, with that being said, I had one more thing. So... Of course, you know, you, you being under Pastor Vass, what was it about Pastor Vass? Um, what was it about your pastor that got a hold of you to the point where you said, you know what, I want to be like that? What was it about Pastor Spirit that, that captivated you the most and made you want to replicate in the ministry more than anything? Man, that's, that's a deep question. Um, there's... You know, when you think about men of God, there's just a lot of different qualities you can you can talk about. Um, I think in general, it's just it's just how, just the spirit of God upon them, just how you see everything um, come to a completion through the work of God or through the power of God. I mean, his marriage was was amazing, you know. So he had that. I think if I can maybe put it in one word, was his passion um, for people and his passion for the ministry. Um, and what's been incredible to me um, also is that as I, as, as Pastor Vaz goes on in ministry and as I move on, because um, we ended up going in separate ways, I take on the missionary work in Honduras, which is under Pastor Rosario. Um, I still talk to him, you know, um, but Pastor Rosario has the very same passion. So you begin to look at just pa how Pastor Rosario has it and how Pastor Vaz has it. And, and it's like, man, I want that. Like just, just a heart for people and, um, I remember Pastor Vaz telling me, um, if you want to do this, and he's talking about pa pastoring, um, if you want to do this, you got to have a big heart. 
And it doesn't completely make sense until you actually do it, you know? And uh, I remember he went through a hard time and um, taking over the work in Houston um, in the very beginning, just how people were just treating him. And when I take over the work in, in, um, in Honduras, they, they started treating me real bad. Uh, the person before me was, um, was removed, um, and I had to take it on without any, any insight to the church. They didn't know I was coming, and now you have a 25-year-old, 20, 24-year-old um, kid, if you will, you know, just kind of the way they view it. You're a hero in Killeen, you know, but you're not a hero in that church. Right. So you take it on, and everybody starts talking just a lot of just mess, if you will, about you and um, doesn't consider the sacrifice and doesn't completely understand everything. And I remember the words. He's like, you're going to have to have a big heart. Actually, God spoke to me um, the very first service um, when I was there, and I was looking at them because um, we started revival. Um, and I was back in, behind the church, just kind of behind all the crowd, and, um, and God told me, you're going to have to love them. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that did not make sense to me because I was like, I love people. Like, I do. Um, but throughout the, I mean, it was six months of them just talking. They're saying I was short, I was ugly, fat. You know, they were just, I mean, all kinds of just real personal, real mean things. You know, when pastors say don't take things personal, um, that was very personal. I remember calling Pastor Azari, can I defend myself? And he was like, no, you have to let ministry speak. Um, and I can reference back to just Pastor um, Vass and all the moments that he he went through the people um, in the church, even just when I was there too, the three years that I was there. Um, I began to see just his, his heart for people and how he will discipline them in a harsh way, you know, to how it has to be, um, in a very straightforward way. And then months later, after discipline's over, there's this big heart receiving you right back into into the, in the house of God, you know. So if that's one thing. If I can say one word that inspired me was that passion right there. And I, I and I and I have to say, <clears throat> and I have to I have to say this because you know what, <laughs> if uh, I want to say that I can do it, for sure, but man, brother, hey, you know what, dude, you you ain't cut out, man. What are you doing here? You know what, you're stupid or whatever the case. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> you what? <laughs> yeah. You know that kind of thing. Of course, you know your flesh wants to rise up, but yeah. uh. It's such an extreme grace that you have to uh, encounter as far as uh, learning how to love people. Uh, when I was in prison, I had to learn how to love many types of different messed up men. I'm talking about jacked up. Man. And uh, it taught me a lot about myself because everything that was uh, kind of hidden underneath the surface begins to surface whenever buttons are being pushed. You begin to realize how how weak and frail the flesh really is man, and how much you need the spirit of God to help you at all times, because you'll blow something up. If you say that, especially if you're a pastor, it's a very serious issue. And, uh, you know, for those things to be happening, man, I can only just, uh, you know, compliment you, man, for, uh, you know, doing all the things that you're doing for God. Of course, the Holy spirit is guiding you, teaching you, molding you, uh, making you a great man of God. And, uh, I highly esteem you and, and honor you greatly, uh, Pastor, for coming on to the podcast and, and sharing a, uh, with us a little bit about, you know, yourself, you know, the ministry, you know, all the things that you have done. And, uh, of course, you know, we have my brother Mark here, man. He gets to be a part of all this. It's just an extreme blessing to have, you know, great men of God like yourself in our fellowship to look to and to say, okay, this is the standard. You know, this is what, this is what we can do because they're doing it. You know, that means we can do it as well. So let's get it on, you know. Yeah, man. yeah I'm, I'm just a work of grace, man. Um, God's, God's been good to me. I haven't 
know, what I tell guys all the time is like, I, I haven't done everything right, you know, but one of the things I have done right is I've, I've been faithful to God, even in the good, um, through the good and the bad. You know, there's been moments in ministry where, where many times I think to myself, it's like, man, what am I doing here? Like, what? Like, I mean, you look at your pastors, Pastor Rosario, you know, just the standard, Pastor Campbell, mm. um, Pastor Greg, you know, you look at these men and you begin to think about yourself, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, like, what, what am I doing here? Um, but, you know, being faithful to God, he's always been faithful to me, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm just a work of grace. And thank, thank you for the invitation, by the way. This is, this is great. So, uh, one more thing. If you have anything to say, if you had one word to say to literally all the viewers that are here uh, uh sometimes it could be lots and lots of people so if you had one thing that you would have to say to a large group of people what would it be um you know i think what i will tell them is that it's time you know and anything that you're thinking about doing for god it, it it's it's not a time issue anymore it's not it's, it's almost like let's let's do it now um, we're at the we're at the perfect time to see uh, a revival, to see people get saved, to see um, just just a complete outpouring of God. One of the things I pray for our churches that are at least under me and the clean wing is is um, is God honor their their labor as they go out now, um, because it's it's time. I mean, it is what it is right now. Um, think about all the crisis that you see throughout everywhere. I mean, throughout the world. Um, so if I can just put it in one phrase, it'll be it's time. You know, so if there's anybody out there thinking, you know, what should I do it or should I not? You should. Yeah. You need to do it. Amen to that. <clears throat> so I hope you guys caught the wind of this. Man, God bless you, man. We love you here at the Real Life Podcast. We thank you guys for tuning in. So if you're uh, if you're a new viewer, tap the subscribe button. So that way, every time that there's something that uh, that is put on new stuff, you guys get blessed by it and uh, you guys get notified. Tap that uh, notification button as well. So. We love y'all, man. God bless you. And until the next time, which will be very soon, we're going to have Pastor Joe Chavez in here, and we're going to be grinding it out some more, man. We're just getting started. Pastor Galeas, thank you for your thank time, you. sir. God bless y'all. We'll see you guys in the future.